welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast direct from Straight Stuff Studios here on a beautiful weekend. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. I think this is episode, you know what, I stopped counting, but I'm guessing 60-something. I'll get back to you next week with the actual number, but yeah. we're a few weeks into our, uh, our, our second year of broadcasting, and uh, things couldn't be better, so... Thanks for joining us here tonight. I did want to say a quick word about um, a, a new program that, that uh, Rick and myself have been working on. It's called Sidekicks Mentoring. The gist is here. We put a, it was a youth mentoring program. Uh, it's no-cost program, volunteer program designed to offer structure and support for maintaining a healthy and sober lifestyle. Uh, so if you've got any questions, if you've got somebody you know or you yourself might, might be looking for a mentor, please give us a call. Anytime at 815-451-7641 or visit us at sidekicksmentoring.org. Good program. Check it out. Um, I won't I won't take up any more time. I'm going to pass it over to our host, Mr. Rick Atwater. Let's go, Let's go Rick, Richard. Yeah, let's go with Rick. Big hand. Hey. A big hand. Welcome, everybody, to Recovery Internet Radio and our show, uh, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Tonight's tag is Recovery and the Clergy. But we got a lot to talk about, Jim. Have fun with that. We got a lot. Yeah, recovery and the clergy. Do they go together? Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. But our guest is Father Jim Swarthout, who, who, whose name I apparently knew since 1982. Yes, it you was. guys it go was. way back. We, we go, go way, way back. back. We go way back. Well, we both had hair, and it wasn't gray. That's right. Yeah. I, don't have, I don't have any yeah, gray or great. otherwise. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us tonight, where we are every Sunday night at 8 o'clock, and thanks to our engineer, Chris Atwater, who does a great job for us and has recently got a promotion to assistant producer, which just means that he's got to... He's got to go out and scout out new new and exciting guests for us. Yeah, so if you're listening out there, get a hold of me. <laughs> if you've got a you know, good message that you'd like to share, really, honestly, next, no joke, I'd love next, to hear. Next week, let's, let's announce that now. Well, a, a guy from Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Which is uh, a, a Christian-based recovery program in our area. And I think it's it's more than just our area. I think that that's just uh, I think they're spread around. Right, they have national. a branch here, and then yeah, they've, yeah. they've, they've got multiple locations throughout and the Mr. throughout the country. Steve Yeshik, yes. I believe, yeah. is his name. Father. Is that correct? Yeah. And he'll be here uh, next week to talk to us about Celebrate Recovery. So um, you can call us uh, tonight with questions or comments uh, by calling three two three seven nine two two nine seven seven or what else can you do, Chris? You can always visit our website at recoveryinternetradio.com. And it's got the, the number, the link to the show, all sorts of great stuff. Link to the other websites. Can, can we tweet live? Can we tweet live? Of course we can tweet live. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So either give us a call live during the show, Sundays anytime from 8 to 9. Um, if you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet live during the show at Rick Atwater. So follow us on Twitter, and we'd, we'd be happy to answer your questions during the show. Or anytime. Or any time. Okay. Yeah. So let's rock, shall we? Got it. Let's okay. Go. All right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this 1982 thing because that was, you were, where were you? I was uh, in 82. Well, I was ordained in 86. So I was in seminary at Mundelein probably at that time. All right. In, at St. Mary's Seminary in Mundelein. But uh, during that process, uh, we had to do CPE. 
which is clinical pastoral education. I had never been to California, and so what I had wanted to do is to go to California and do my hospital chaplaincy there. So I had saved, it cost $304. I can remember that so well, a round trip here from Chicago. <laughs> exactly. I How knew much? exactly yeah. what it was. And, uh, to California and yeah. uh, did my CPE at Loma Linda uh, University out there uh-huh. for the summer. And they put me on the unit, the drug unit, uh, alcohol unit as a chaplain. Didn't know much about it, came back, uh, left seminary, and um, fell in love with the field and uh, worked for Parkside Lodge. And that's where I got my certification. I almost thirty. Did you ago. did you go looking for them or did they go looking for you? Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, and actually because they needed a chaplain yeah, and you needed, needed a job, so I, I was trying to think: Am I going to do this priest thing or not? Am I going to? Is this going to be real? And of course, the uh, the director of Parkside at that time, a guy by the name of Carl Anderson, who I was just with the other day, uh, is a Lutheran pastor. He tried to get me married off to his daughter. At that time, he says, you don't want to be a Catholic priest. And uh, the, the rest of the story happened. So it was, was he successful? Or? No, it didn't no. work out. No, no, I was ordained in 86, a Catholic priest. So oh, okay. So that was, so kind, of, that was kind of out at that time. Right. Yeah, that was out there. But there's more, yeah. more, oh, yeah, more to come. It's more interesting, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so we'll, but we'll, we'll get to all that. Right. But I, I hope we do anyway. But that's, this is very interesting because I don't know if it, I don't know what it was, whether yeah. it was your, whether I just heard your name or what, what it was. Uh, yeah. But I, I was, you know, in the field at the time, and we were making referrals to Parkside, okay, sure. and we'd be running back and forth. Now you were doing, you were doing chaplaincy, chaplaincy work, chaplaincy or work, or clinical work on the unit. Oh, you were doing clinical work on the unit. So it was clinical work on the unit. So All right. I got certified. It must be close to thirty years, thirty years ago. So by the state of Illinois, by right. or whatever. What was your number again? Twenty thirty-eight. So yeah. Current, whenever I go to so that now, that qualifies you as an official old guy yeah, an old in the guy field. Now, so that's right. <laughs> it, is. it really does. Yeah. So low low what, numbers. One of my one of my questions was, you know, what what brought you? Well, you know, rather than talk about what brought you into the addictions work, because I kind of heard what you said about you know falling in love with that guy. What 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 took you to the what took you into the uh, you know the, the the pastoral work? Oh, you mean the priesthood? The priesthood? Yeah. Uh, that's still a mystery. <laughs> anyway, that's still a mystery. Uh, didn't have a girlfriend. Didn't know what no, to do. No, or? no, no. It wasn't just that. If, well, I think there were, that's another story. But that could be that would be a whole other program. Right. But um, no, you know, but just a sense of you know when they talk about being called. Um, I never really believed that uh, way back when. But mm-hmm. there is something to this God calling somebody into mm-hmm. a, a ministry or into a purpose of life. I truly believe that. I didn't want to be a priest, but I often, and I struggled with that. I didn't want to do it for years and years. Um, but it, I left seminary a few times, came back, mm-hmm. and it was always the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. And so I studied here at Mundelein for two years, and then they shipped me to Baltimore, and then I finished my studies at St. Mary's in Baltimore, and studied and taught at John Hopkins in the field, actually, of addiction hmm. and mental health um, at John Hopkins at Shepherd Pratt Hospital. So I've been in the field and humbly for so many years, but then I was, you, know, you struggle with priesthood and ministry, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's something, I believe in mystery. Um, is the bottom line. I mm-hmm. with, and I think recovery and priesthood and ministry all sort of intertwine. Um, it's about mystery. Uh, we're people mm-hmm. of, of, yeah. of mystery, and we're, we run to the mystery. We try to understand things, and then we move from mystery 
into communion and communal in relationships, mm-hmm. it's called. And then what we must do is to give it away. We must mission it. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of even in the 12-step work, uh, we sort of can do that in six words, trust God, clean house, help others. And really in church work, it really can be uh, mystery, mm-hmm. um, communion. So mystery is trusting God. Mm-hmm. Uh, communion is cleaning house. Mm-hmm. And then helping others is about mission. It's about giving it away. So somehow it all is intertwined for me um, for all these years. So so would you say, so if you changed your mind about calling? Did I ever change the call? I mean, did you, like, because you kind of said, I, I don't know about the calling, oh. this business about calling, but you, but I, I was looking for a purpose. Yes, and, and then I think, though, after a period of time, that really priesthood ministry certainly just was aligned. Yeah. Um, you couldn't fight it anymore. Sometimes you want to fight. Um something that God calls you into, and you don't want to do it, but it, there it is. God gets you that, it happens. And, and that story even gets better, as you know, Rick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, that gets, uh, yeah, it, it does. I, I know it does. But, uh, okay, so, you know, here's the thing I was thinking about. You know, it, it is, do, do you think, like, uh, everybody doesn't have that, that uh, everybody doesn't get that, that purposeful, that that sense of purpose or that that whatever you want to call it that calling, and I mean, so I wonder if you feel like you're a, one of the one of the lucky ones. Oh, I think everybody has a calling. Everybody has a fire in the belly. Yeah, I truly believe that we all have a fire okay. in the belly. Um, we're all called into something. I think we're all innately holy. Every one of us, holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy people! Hmm. We've been talked out of it by somebody. And our role in life, <laughs> yeah, yeah, our I role think in life yeah. is to come back to say that we are innately holy people, and and I think and like take that and, and take that and own it. Absolutely, yeah. we are we are we are the image and likeness of God. Every one of us, I believe that right to my bones. And our role in life, in my role, our role, um, the word priest is just a teacher. Mm-hmm. That's what all priest is teacher. Mm-hmm. We're all teachers. I don't know anybody here in, that I've ever met was uh, as a teacher. And then we're all when we're baptized in, in a Christian context, baptized priests, teachers, prophets, people who proclaim, and then kings or queens, ones who lead. Um, so really, that's all of our roles in life is we're all to be teachers, and we proclaim to our children and our children's children as we get older, and then we try to lead them someplace. And then after a while, those great kids end up teaching us older, gray-haired, blue-haired, it turns around and around and around. And it does. So well, I guess there's a, there's a lot of people that I run into that, although they, I'm sure they do have a calling and they do have a purpose, they don't know what it is. Yeah. They're either I would, would qualify as lost or struggling or so the hole in the whatever. Soul. Yeah. There's a hole in the soul, and our role is is try to help people fill that hole in their soul, you know, to get their passion and get their hope and their joy back in life. Um, and we see that in so many different ways, you know. In in, in the last two years, I, I I've been a priest for 28 years, 29 years almost now, and I, you know I've done more funerals, suicide funerals in the last few years, five of them, mm-hmm. from children, adults, and I've never had such a sense of loss in, in so, many, so many ways. People 
are hopeless sometimes, but our role is to talk more about filling that hole in the soul and that there are positive, you know, is the glass half empty or half full? Depends if you're drinking or pouring, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it, it, it depends the attitude, the opportunity you live in. Are there, do you think there's m- more uh, uh, hopelessness now, or or it's just that you're just having to run across that now? I think it's okay to talk about things now more than it wasn't before. Yeah. I think uh, Phil Donahue, is, uh, yeah. you know, you'll think yeah. this is weird, or Phil Donahue, Donahue or Oprah, basically the things that are talked in the public forum were only said in the confessional. 20, 30 years ago. Right. You know what I mean? It was all, it was just kept there. But mm-hmm. now we can talk about it. somebody's abuse, been abused. Somebody can get help for that, or somebody has a drinking or alcohol problem. We can find help for that. But those were the stigmas years ago that we didn't talk about. Now it's okay to talk about it. And basically, people who suffer and struggle, they give hope to the world and say that I can walk through this. And give you an opportunity to have life again. So that's one of the that's one of the things that's changed How in the cool last. Yeah. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. And yeah. in the last, is that just is that more recently, or is that slowly over the last I think it's thirty years, or is it? I would say it's evolving, probably from the sixties, maybe that. Yeah. The free generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, you weren't probably no, born, born that. To do with that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Never mind. So how do you uh, how do you how do you how do you fill a hole in the soul? I mean that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big question. But what what would you say? I think it's converse, it's conversation and trust. Yeah, it takes time. It's like the grass outside that I had to cut today. Uh, I cut it a week ago, and it evolved and sort of grew day by day. But I couldn't see the change. But all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my god, I got to go cut that grass again. Mm-hmm. So I think it evolves, change evolves very slowly. And it, and it happens with trust. It happens with being vulnerable. Um, nobody wants to be vulnerable, but I think vulnerability is the essence of life sometimes, is that when we're vulnerable to another person, then we can find that they can, other people can heal us and be present to us, but we're afraid to be vulnerable. Do you have any, um, any like uh, stories of, of specific people or... Things that you know where I don't necessarily I don't mean names, but you know sure. an example of a of a person or persons who went from kind of hopeless and and hole in the soul to you know uh, you probably probably a hundred. Well, no, I had a friend, a friend of mine or a guy when I was in my first parish in the Holy Family Rockers. I, I can say things on internet radio, can I? <laughs> you can say anything you want. You have internet radio. So he comes in, the mother comes in before at the confessional, and I can tell right. the story because I was given permission to right. sort of break the seal in a way, to be very honest with you. So right. I, the mother comes in before. My son is a sophomore standing behind me. Um, he's drinking, he swears too much, and it's just he's out of control. And so I'm bringing him to confession. So it comes into the confession. We had the curtain where you're right. go, and, and bless me, Father Christ. And my mother says, I swear too much. And, and I responded very quickly, no shit, really? <laughs> and, I, and from that moment, though, is when you allow, as terrible as that may have been, or you know, some people would say that was sacrilegious in a confessional context, but that man then walks around, he sits with me, right. talk about his addiction, his drinking, 
he becomes vulnerable because of that moment of breaking the barriers down. He trusted you. He trusted me. Yeah. And then from that moment, he has now moved on. I baptized his children, um, married him, baptized his children. He has now become a deacon, a Catholic deacon in the Roman Catholic Church, and he's mm. the head of the deacons for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Mm. All right. Um, because of that moment of vulnerability, he trusted. He moved from one place to the, to the next because basically I said no shit really. All right. <laughs> now I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but it worked. And and there, that's just one of the many stories that uh, God has humbly offered me in, in my journey of life uh, to see and participate. Yeah, and it sounds it sounds you know I mean it sounds funny, it sounds glib, but you know what it that's that's what came through you to do, right? That's right. It was I, you know, I think priests and ministers, all of us, are just vehicles of bringing life. Mm-hmm. We're just instruments of God's love wherever we go. And if we can just love another person as we see the face of God, then I think that that's that's the essence. Uh, so, so you, so you made a transition one way or another from uh, Catholic, Catholic priest, Roman Catholic priest to I did I uh, Episcopal. Yes, I did. I, uh, so, can we talk about that? Sure. It's internet radio. We can talk about anything. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, uh, what happened, um, very simply, is I met the beautiful nun. Yeah, and, you uh, met your nun. This my, is the nun that we were talking about before. <laughs> your well, nun. Yeah, my nun. So Claudia and I, was I was in a parish in Algonquin, and she was the choir director. And then um, one thing led to the next, and I had to get out of Dodge, and so I had to ask for a... Um, to move, and so I went to Rockford, and I struggled. We struggled for about six years in trying to figure out you know, where was God calling us, you know, in both of this. And I believe, and I'm a guy who believes deeply in celibacy. I must tell you that I'm not in any way. I think if there's ever, uh, and I believe in that and live that with honest, honesty and integrity. I believe, and as I was a Roman Catholic priest. But then you had to make a transition and leave, and then I had to offer my resignation. Um, I still live in sort of, I would say, Claudia and I both live in a sort of hole in the soul that we can't serve that church or the yeah. Catholic church. We have priests and religious that come and visit us often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I love the table. I love to bring people together at Eucharist and the table and the sacraments. And I uh, was received as an Episcopal priest. Did some doctoral work in theology and was received, I think, some 10 years ago. We've been married for 10 years, or 15 years now, and um, it's been a wonderful transition. Is she going to listen to the show? Yep. She she will certainly listen to the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's archived, so she can catch it later. I know that. Yeah. But, yeah. Go back and, you know, make sure we got that part right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to I was going to, if you weren't going to tell her about it, I was going to send her the link. <laughs> That's right. So, so, yeah, so we've been... Yeah, 15 wonderful years. God didn't give us children, um, but we have a ministry. We live in the river in Barrington Hills, and we call our home Evensong. And Evensong is a uh, sort of the night prayer of the church, and pe- priests are religious. We're struggling in their lives that we offer our home up mm. a place that a respite, and mm. we just sort of put a comforter around them uh, as they struggle. It's really a humble place to, mm. to be able to do that um, mm. for people. And so God, in a, in a way allows the two of us still to be instruments, hopefully, of God's peace and presence and uh, humble joy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, how, do, how, do, uh, how do priests find you? Oh, I, you know, I think when, we, the first, word out, yeah, when we first left, I think it was yeah. hard because I'm very close to the, a lot of the guys that sure. I served mm-hmm. with. Sure. Um, 
you know, I was on personnel boards with, with the diocese and uh, did intervention work with some of the, some of my brothers, which I still do today. Um, but uh, I think that they see uh, Claudia and I as still being effective ministers of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I think that's always got to be priority. Mm-hmm. And people of prayer and uh, humble, irregardless of denomination. Oh, yeah, I don't think. I think those days. Um, certainly, we understand there's a distinction between religion, faith, and spirituality. Religion has its rules, and just as in our 12-step program, we have one, two, three, four, five. We follow those steps. The same thing in every institution has its rules and law per se. That's religion. And then faith is something instinctually inside of us that we have faith in, and spirituality is something that we have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. The word spirit um, means to breathe, and we breathe in and out in mm-hmm. a relationship. So it's really in that context of institution of religion, faith and trust, and spirituality and relationship that we are able to um, find each other in our journeys of life, I think. And I always think we're amazed by where God brings us. I think that's the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. You never know what God's going to give you. There's the mystery. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we're afraid of mystery sometimes. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. People are afraid of mystery. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's sad and joyful all at the same time. It's sort of the, Why is that, do you think? I don't know. I think we like to have we we like to have answers. We, you know, like makes you feel secure. Or, yeah, maybe yeah. that's our insecurities. I I really don't know, but we I believe mystery is really the greatest gift of life is to really Enjoy mystery into who we are. Um, it is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what will happen tomorrow. I didn't know I was coming out to this beautiful house. I put it in the GPS and it says, here, you're going to go here. You know? yeah. And look, we're at lo and behold. You know? mm-hmm. um, and it turns out to be a wonderful evening with a group of people and yourself. And uh, that's, that's the opportunity of life. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Did you know he was coming? No, I didn't know he was coming. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's fun and mo. How cool is that? And, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about like uh, when when you were a, a Catholic priest and you were going back and forth with it, but it felt like the right thing to do, even though you didn't want to do it. Well, you know what I think of. When Claudia and I struggled through that for about six years, yeah, um, I guess the best way to explain that, I came to a resolution in prayer. I'm, uh, I'm a morning prayer guy. I'm up at 4.30 and I have to do my office. It's just an essential piece. As an extrovert, I need that quiet time in the morning uh, to sort of to figure out where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So I do that every morning. But um, I think in the struggle, when Claudia and I and the, you know, the, the integrity of the priesthood, which is very important to me, um, I think after those six years, um, I felt my relationship with God had continued to move forward. Um, it, I had not lost my wonderful relationship with our wonderful relationship with God, even in the midst of suffering. I mm-hmm. think. And I think the relationship with Claudia um, had continued to move on in the midst of suffering, too. And I think that if something between those two were not meant to be together, it would have died over those six years. Mm-hmm. And that's really when I came to that resolution. I came to that at a Trappist Monastery in Kentucky, mm-hmm. in at uh, Thomas Merton's. Uh, uh, I spent 10 days in silent solitude, and mm-hmm. um, I was hopefully try to do things with a sense of integrity and purpose. And prayer is essential in my life. Do you think that the that experience uh, of going, going through that process has... Um, helped you to do 
what you do today? I think suffering is an important, an essential aspect of life. Um, we don't like to talk about it, um, but I think that suffering brings us to a deeper level of, of understanding of self and other, mm-hmm. and how to be at a deeper level compassionate towards another. The word compassion means to walk with. I don't want to walk before or behind. I want to walk with. It's mm-hmm. like it, when I sit next to somebody, and like we are today, I can hear you better and see you in your expressions, and so I think compassion really means to walk with, and all of us in our lives have sense, suffering, rejection, shame, and that's why I would talk about trying to bring fill that hole in the soul to become holy again. That when you look at yourself and say, you know, I'm an innately holy person, but you know, I had to go through that, that suffering and that sacrifice in order sure. to come to that realization too. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. So it's one of those experiences that's, that, that deepened you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Does any is anybody else right now? You said you wanted to ask something. Do you have anything you want to ask? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, I think what we'll do is, if you think of something, that's fine. But I think what we'll do is we'll take a short break now, um, and then we'll come back. I think what's our what's what are we playing, Chris? Satchmo. <laughs> you want to say Satchmo. say why his name is Sat? No, let's Satchmo. not go into that. Although he well, did look it up. Yeah, I don't know. Look at Peter. Why his name yeah. is Satchmo? This is a Louis Armstrong song. Uh, when you're smiling, and yeah. uh, you know, actually, I I I can't take credit. I I heard it on a radio program a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that'd be great for our radio show. Yeah. So here we go. But yeah, uh, yeah, Rick was very adamant about calling him Satchmo. I think he just liked to say the name, but I had to look up why. <laughs> why? You know, there's many I just stories. To show off that I knew it. I guess that's yeah. what it really was. So Louis Armstrong told a lot of stories. He was a, he was an entertainer, and, and one of the stories was uh, that when he was a kid growing up on the street, he would you know beg for change, and he would grab the pennies off the street and stick them in his mouth so the other kids didn't steal them. Oh, <laughs> so they called him Satchel Mouth. Satchel Mouth. Satchel Mouth Armstrong. So we'll hear a little bit from a little bit from him, and uh, we'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Okay, so thanks, about, about a four-minute song. I yes, understand. yes, indeed. So, so thanks okay. for being with us so far. Uh, we'll be we'll be back with you in just a minute. Enjoy uh, enjoy a little Satchel Armstrong. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Recovery Internet Radio. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've been uh, we've been speaking with Father Jim. It's uh, been a great conversation so far. I hope you enjoyed the uh, music of Satchmo Armstrong. Um, if uh, if you missed it at the beginning, you can always get a hold of us during the show at three two three seven nine two two nine seven seven. We'd be happy to answer any questions or if you had comments, please give us a call. Uh, you know, also just real quick while we're here, I'd like to say a quick word about uh, one of our one of our uh, sponsors, or somebody we we enjoy, uh, Double Take. Uh, they're a great Chicago band. They play a lot of local venues. I believe. Let's see. They're going to be uh, June fifteenth. I think was their next their up- upcoming gig here. Oh, you know what? Friday, May twenty fourth. Uh, at the London Pub and Grill in Crystal Lake. So that's that's fun. You can check them out there. Uh, you're looking this up as you go along, aren't you? No, no, I've, I've written this down and memorized it. Uh, Saturday, June 15th at Manhattan American Bar and Grill. That's in Carroll Stream. But they, they play a lot of local venues. They do uh, they do music covers from uh, from the 50s, 60s, all the way through today. And there's some, some good stuff. So go check them out if you if you got a chance. It's a good time. Um, uh, that's that's what I got. Back back to the show. All right. Uh, yeah. Double take. 
The drummer, the drummer is a friend of ours, so that's why we oh, we yeah. call him a sponsor. But it, okay, but he's it has, yeah, it has absolutely nothing to do with sponsors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's only something to do with giving him a little plug. We have, I have a couple other quick plugs to make here. One is a friend of ours, uh, Colleen, who does uh, dirty laundry designs, fresh cards for addiction and recovery. That's Dirty Laundry Designs. You can contact them at dirty, DirtyLaundryDesigns.com. They're really kind of cool They cards. are. I've seen them. Have you I've seen got them? a couple. Have yeah, yeah, they so are I, good. Yeah, she yeah. was on a, I found out she, yeah. she cheated on us. She was on another internet radio oh, show in New York. Yeah. No. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. friend of hers, apparently, in Manhattan has, a, has, a, has an internet radio show on addictions. Our, our sister station. Our yeah, sister station. Right. Much better way to put it. Yeah, yeah. we're not competitive. No, no. Yeah, we're great cars. Good message. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so Dirty Laundry Designs. And, uh, yeah, and, and that's, that's good. And then we also have a friend, uh, Dr. Tom Franz with Franz Chiropractic. Franz Chiropractic. <laughs> <laughs> and you can contact... Dr. Franz by calling 815-444-9466. He's a very good chiropractor. Go see Tom Franz. Okay, we're back with Father Jim. And I want to what I want to what I want to do is kind of spend the, the the rest of our time talking about what the heck you're doing now because you are a busy guy. Having a great time. Just yeah. absolutely uh having a ball actually mm-hmm. in many ways. It's kind of funny where God puts you at different places and uh, aligns your life and helps you prepare for your future in so many ways. And even and so right now, I am the uh, clergy and community coordinator for Rosecrans, um, which is a facilities that we have in Rockford, mm-hmm. but it's moved here into McHenry, and we have satellites um, throughout the city, about five different satellites in Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. Frankfurt, um, Northbrook, um, Oak Park, uh, and here in McHenry also, um, but we continue to expand our services, not just with just addiction, but it's all integrated now that it's an essential aspect to be integrated into mental health and addiction. Years and years, we've always siloed, as you know well, Rick, is that we used to do alcohol and drug addiction here, and then we did mental health over there. Mm-hmm. Um, our world today is, is really engaging us to know that we're dealing with the whole person. We can't silo we, anymore. We need to integrate. So um, my role really is to work with the bishops and the clergy throughout the Midwest. Chicago, mm-hmm. Midwest, we have. Um, we just opened up in Madison mm-hmm. um, with Connections Counseling, as well as an outpatient program in Pewaukee now, too. So Rosecrans is, um, came from the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Dr. and Mrs. Rosecrans in 1916, they couldn't have any children, so they ended up um, opening up a orphanage. And in an orphanage, those, some of those young boys became alcoholic or drug addicts, and then they opened up a treatment center in Rockford. And so when I was ordained in 86, there was a little treatment center across the street from the parish I was at, and I would go over across the street <clears throat> and meet with the CEO and president who was still there, Phil Eaton, and a good friend, and we've connected for the years. And that was Rosecrans. That was Rosecrans. Yeah. And now it's it was teeny tiny little adolescent facility. Now we have a facility didn't, in Rockford. Didn't they have an outpatient place on Alpine? Yes, it and was. And then an inpatient yes. uh, place downtown. <laughs> yes. And that was, uh, that was probably in the late 80s, we, maybe. That's right. And now it's expanded, though. We have the adolescent unit. Yeah. And we have about uh, 84 young adults um, that we have there. 
that they can be there for about 30 days, and it's a, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a gorgeous uh, adolescent facility, and we can have 84 uh, high school kids mm-hmm. to 18 there, and then we have an adult unit, about 97, over on Harrison also, but we also run the Ware Center, uh, downtown Rockford now too, which is the mental health um, facility for the folks of the community, as well as we have a Barry Center on the west side of Rockford that really is psychiatric for adolescents, psych- psychiatric work. Our um, unit here in Rockford is really the one that we have an integrated model of alcohol and drug addiction, so we deal with mental health issues as well as um, IOP. IOP. You have the McHenry facility, that's right? McHenry facility, yeah. that's at, at the old Holy Family, or excuse the me, old family, family services. services, that's Holy Families, where I was, yeah. my first started. Maybe, first it, was, maybe it was maybe the it was Holy Family, family Services. Yeah, that's Holy right. Family Services. It was now Family Services building sure. um, yeah. here, here in Rockford. In fact, here uh, in excuse me. Uh, Chris Gleason, who Chris, is the director of that facility, guy. was here on the show probably, oh, I don't know, what, six months ago? Yeah, so about, about that, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Chris is the manager or the yeah. CEO over there. He's yeah. a great guy. So I have an office here, but I'm sort of all over the place and get to coordinate. So if a clergy or bishops have issues with their clergy and or a member of a congregation, a priest or a clergy member, and then they contact me and then I can help facilitate either an intervention or help person uh, access into our facilities. So that's really help bring awareness and break the, the vision of stigma within the community and talk about the whole Whole person. Um, Do you have like a, a, a an example of how maybe you've worked with with a with a clergy person and helped them get into treatment? And I know you know we were talking we were we were talking the other day about uh, a, a person that I know that has a sex addiction problem. Oh, sure, yeah, that, that's right. That's where. Yeah, and that's right. we were kind of kicking that around too. But but talk maybe can you talk about a, a, an example of how it might work? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know. Parishioners in a parish may see that their priest or their clergy person may not be aligning with um, a healthy lifestyle, per se, whether it be alcohol or drug addiction um, or mental health issues. And certainly it's the responsibility of a community, their faith community, a priest priest is aligned with the community. A clergy person is aligned with the community. Um, They may be the leader, spiritual leader, but we are all doing that together. And so if an intervention or there's a need that somebody within the community, faith community, says something's not right with Father or our, our minister, then they have a responsibility, I really believe, to go to a bishop or to that clergy person and say, you know, something's not right. Are you okay? You know, you minister to us. We need to minister to you. Now, this sounds like a dumb question, but is a bishop his boss? If a bishop would be, and if, in fact, a clergy person may not want help, then it, then it belongs back into an intervention committee or health care committee that every diocese would have. Okay. Um, Roman Catholic, Episcopal, Lutheran. We all have health committees for our clergy who are struggling in life. You know, if you you know, we're all very vulnerable, um, and we are able to do interventions um, to our brothers and our sisters and say something's mm-hmm. not right. Can we help you? And certainly, there's resistance, and there's also gratitude. So yeah. there's many times that I've had you know, I'm a guy who's taking a priest to treatment who looks at me with the bishop and says, "You are Judas to me." Ooh, man, yeah, that's the right answer, and it just cuts right to your core. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my goodness. But you, you sort of, as they call me that, you are a Judas to me because I'm trying to help them. But then after a period of time of sobriety or health or, or getting out of the clouds of mental health or addiction, then they come back and they, they say humbly, thank you for saving my life. Mm-hmm. And then you continue to do what mm-hmm. you do. So there's the two sides of, of the story. Sure. Too. Would you say, are, what, 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 are, what would you say are the special uh, needs or, or, or the, the special challenges that you have with helping clergy person, you know, clergy people as, as opposed to, you know, somebody else? I, you know, I really think that, um, <laughs> you know, as clergy sometimes are are really can be smooth talkers. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, Jim. But <laughs> and we can wiggle out of things, and we've been trained to be pastoral ministers. We've been trained to be yeah. with people when they're vulnerable, and to be vulnerable with our people, too. Sure. I think that's important. Uh, I think it's a, the essence of ministry is being vulnerable with your people. Um, cry with them. Laugh with them. I really do. That's the essence, mm-hmm. is to walk with people. Um, is there any difference? Yes and no. The disease is the same for everyone. Absolutely. How you approach that might be in a different lifestyle. Yeah. Um, might happen in a different way. Um, some of my Roman Catholic brothers, you know, you live in a, sometimes isolation. And, you know, that's hard. And you have to try to get people out of their um, isolation in some way to get into a community and to be vulnerable um, with your our brothers and sisters in recovery. Well, I know the one of the, the the particular person that I was talking to you about with the addictions problem, his biggest issue was the you know that he he kind of had the sense that he should be better than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He you know that, what kind of an example is that? And you know he's supposed to be ministering to his congregation, and here he is struggling. With stuff that he, you know, he doesn't know what to do with. Right. Yeah. So he's got like an almost like an extra layer of shame yeah, pasted it, on there. Absolutely, shame-based stuff is hard to work with. There, yeah, it, it, it is. But it's also to know whenever we become least for the brothers and sisters, we raise ourselves up to. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we are that. We need to be humbly. We're humble servants. Hopefully, mm-hmm. um, we're to steward with each other. Um, it's hard work to to work through some of the clergy issues, but I can also tell you too that there, the pain is just there, just like any one of us. Sure. So if you have a brother or sister who's in recovery that is struggling, um, what I often do is just put a big comforter over people, and you love them. You just love people. Just love people. And some days that's not a problem for you, is it? No, I, I, I just have to love them, love people as much as you're loved, and it's just a, a, amazing that it can happen. Well, you know, I mean, I know like there's like a lawyer's assistance program, and there's a special program for doctors, and there's a, you know, I mean, so you know, um, pilots have their Absolutely. own kind of meetings right. and stuff, yeah. birds of a feather and all yeah. that. So in a way there's some there's some things that are the same, but like you said, there's some things. Yeah, that we all come from it we all see things that I, I collect crosses. I'm a cross collector. It's hundred and twenty some different crosses. They all say the same thing, but somebody designed that cross in a different way. Some are right. made out of rope, some are made out of mud, some are stone and some are you know, we have I just have just out of metal and, and something out in the bag. Hmm. But the cross says the same thing to me, but it's designed 
by a different person who saw it, who built it in a different way. And I think that's right. the way we all are. We all go back to recovery. We all go back to who we are so that we can be alive for our brothers and sisters together. So Rosecrans is doing. Rosecrans also runs some uh, halfway. Halfway house we facilities? Have, yes, we do. We have uh, recovery homes in Rockford right now. We have Marlowe houses for girls. We have about 14 girls there that they might go to primary treatment for a while, for about 30 to 40 days, and then it's a long-term recovery for um, you know, about three to six months or a year, if necessary. And then we have um, uh, we have a couple other homes, too, that I can't off the head. Up in my head, I can't remember, but I'm going to get in trouble because I don't remember them. But uh, but at least we know that there was a couple other ones. Yeah, and, and I know I'm going to get in anybody trouble else there. here. What else we got? And we have Monarch. Monarch, yeah, Monarch. And then there is um, it's yes, yes, yeah. Monarch, Monarch <laughs> girls. Yeah. No, you know no. where would Marlo. someone go? Yeah, there is. It's in there, and I can see the houses in the in the terrible. Where would Sorry, somebody bro. go to if they if they wanted to get access to that information, or if they needed? Oh, you to... can always call me, and I can tell you where how to get that access. And we have an access line too. What's, um, what's your number? Get, um, those access line numbers are eight one five three nine one one thousand or or eight 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 nine two eight five two seven eight. Um, and, and or you can always call me at 815-708-1235, Father Jim, and um, and get that and get that information. Absolutely, information. and we can we can we can move you to um, whatever you need. Um, Rosecrans really is very interesting in how it's developed and it's done very. And and that's the one thing that I've been really impressed with the quality. I think that we all have. You have your work, Rick. The quality people, but as we begin to develop and as the Affordable Care Act is going to engage us all to work together. Mm-hmm. We need to break those bridges in between each other. We need to work. You know, there's plenty of work for everyone, mm. um, and it's so important. You have a. It's so important in, that we work together for the common good. Um, what is it? Hillman. Hillman. That's right. Hillman. Which, Dr. Which, and Mrs. Hillman. That's that's where the boys are at Hillman. Yeah. And then uh, the girls are at Marlowe. And then we have uh, apartments. Also over by uh, Harrison also, and I can't remember what that is, and I helped somebody get it, get in there also of, of recent, and I can't remember. Greendale? Greendale. There you go. Okay. Greendale. All right. Yeah, I got him. Thank you. I have the commercial right. right here. Audience assistant. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank that's you. Good. Yes, that's right. That's I can, good. So you're doing, but you're doing a lot of other, I mean, you, you do that. That's the most, that's the most, most current thing. Yes. Uh, you, you also have done something called a diaper bank, and I know you've done that for quite a while because I remember hearing about that when you were back here in uh, the church in McHenry. It was a parish in McHenry, and uh, maybe about six years ago, a lady came in with her infant daughter to the food pantry, and I held the infant daughter, and she had a diaper full, and I said, (laughs) I have some diapers in the back, and she said, Father Jim, uh, I can only afford two diapers a day. I clean it out and put it back on Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what about WIC, infant and children, or food stamps? And she said, well, that doesn't cover that. And her husband had been out of work. It was a very difficult time. And I said, you've got to be kidding. I never, I did not realize that. Went to that little computer machine, that little magic machine and mm-hmm. under Google, and I put up under diaper need. And then I found diaper banks in New Haven, Connecticut, and in Seattle, and in Phoenix, Arizona. And I started making calls. So what do you do? And basically, we collect diapers and then we give them away. And I thought, well, we could do that here in McHenry, but 
I really can't just have everybody come to the parish. I'll just have be inundated with people who pick diapers. So then I came up with the concept basically that we develop partnerships. We distribute diapers, so the diaper bank now um, has developed, we're not just local, but we have developed the National Diaper Bank Network um, that last year we distributed 44 million diapers throughout the country. Mm. It started just, just about here in, in McHenry, that there were some of these other diaper banks, but really the model that has been developed is developing partnerships. You distribute diapers to the agencies so that they are the ones that are doing the work. So it's developing partnerships. Again, as I had said before, we all need to align and work together. Like who, who would be the, the, the distribution point? In uh, we, uh, Crystal Lake, they have the food pantry. Mm -hmm. Crystal, so the idea is what we do is we identify social service agencies throughout the county. And so people don't have to drive by to get those diapers. And so those agencies should help you through a difficult time. So it's not an entitlement program. You should not be getting diapers for the whole month. If you have an infant, you might have to have about 124, 125 diapers for the month. The, the purpose would say, we'll give you maybe a third of those diapers for the month mm -hmm. so that we can give to more. The idea is to help more people through a difficult time. Mm -hmm. And so that, so when we started here in McHenry, I called the Tribune. The Tribune came out, did an article. Next thing you know that we have here at McHenry, we had uh, Kimberly Clark folks from the Huggies folks came to the to my office, and people from Ogilvy Mather, big PR firm. Mm -hmm. The next thing you know, we had a, a diaper bank summit in Chicago. I met people, other ten banks throughout the country. We're at this sort of a focus group, and it just gone on from there. And they were going to stop it. Um, the distribution of those diapers. It's called Every Little Bottom Counts through the Huggies folks. Happy Heinies. Hey, I'm just the people say he said Father Jim, he's the poopy priest. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, so you just have fun with that. So it's uh, 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 so it's gone from there, and yeah. then we started the the national the national diaper bank uh, piece in just. <laughs> I you think gave out your phone number, and I think somebody wants a diaper. They either want a diaper or they want access to, to the facility. <laughs> maybe, of they have a, maybe they have a question. Maybe yeah. they do. No, that's oh no, that's that's Sister Claudia. So oh, that's, that's, your, uh, that's your nun calling. My nun calling. Well, take the call for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? She probably has like. Jim, I should, you do. I should do that, shouldn't I? I said, Claudia, you're on the air now. That's all right. <laughs> she probably has a question. Yeah, she has a question. Are you done yeah. yet? Yeah. So, yeah. Stop it. We'll call, it. We'll call. Yeah. But, but the diaper bank is really the, the purpose of the diaper bank, really, is to develop partnerships, is to align people. And it's very much what I think happens at Rosecrans, other facilities, how we all partner with each other for the good of the time and good of the community. It's, it's essential. That's a that's a great thing. That's a, yeah. that's a great thing. So it really it yeah. really does, as you had said, it sort of fits like a glove. It, it's just a great joy to be able to go out to meet um, my brothers and sisters, the bishops, um, the clergy, and the communities, and to be able to talk. So, like this summer, I'm going to 21 parishes throughout the summer um, to do a presentation called "A Path to Wholeness," and basically talk about alcoholism, drug addiction, and its effects on the family and mental health. And so I'm mm -hmm. going to be hitting. Parishes all over, uh, up in Wisconsin, Chicago, east and south, and uh, do presentations in the evenings um, just to talk and give people awareness that life, life 
Begins. Are you going to be talking to the clergy? Or are you going to be talking to the the clergy uh, the parish, and the, parish, yeah, the, the parishes, uh, yeah, the whole the yeah. whole shlemiel. Yeah. That's the whole shlemiel. Yeah, the whole shlemiel. <laughs> I can't believe I said yeah. that. Yes, you did. You did back. I, you said I went right, yeah, well. right yeah, there, right. right out there. Yeah. I said that. Yeah. Well, all right. So, <laughs> so I did. Another thing I know that you've done a lot of is um, I can only say you know maybe advocacy work or lobby lobbying work or. Uh, really, kind of the political side of uh, the treatment industry, oh, and absolutely. That, we'll talk yeah. about that a little bit. Well, I was on the, on the mental health board in McHenry County for a few years, for about right. three or four years, right. and then bringing try to align people on, on that aspect. But then I also was involved with going down to the state too. So I would go down to Springfield and speak on behalf of mental health issues also at the state level, mm-hmm. and then I was appointed about a year and a half, two years ago, to the uh, Governor's Task Force on Mental Health and Strategic Planning. And that's been just a, a wonderful place to be, to see that all the different social service agencies of mental health, um, DMA's Department of Mental Health, uh, DASA, uh, Forensics, Department of Corrections, um, veterans, we're all at the table and we're all trying to align as we know our needs continue to escalate and the ability to provide services have decreased. Right, everybody. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. across the board in the state of Illinois. And so the idea is that we also know that our people are vulnerable, and we need to help them. So if we align and work together, then then that has really been the strategic planning um, for the state of Illinois that is really happening on the state level. But I think we'll start rolling out um, in the next year or so when the Affordable Care Act starts going on. It's going to call us to all work together to align. Um, Sounds like we have to. Oh, it's essential, and that's really, nobody gets, look at that. If you go to a 12-step meeting, everybody aligns. It doesn't make any difference where you come from. Um, I I love when you go to a meeting and they hold hands and keep working. How's it go? You can help me with that. Keep working it because it works if you work it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so the idea. Something like that. That would be a good idea. Could you see all those guys, all these agency guys holding hands? I dare you to do that. You know, if you go down down to Springfield. You know what? Keep coming back, guys. It works if you work it. And you know, and that's an essential aspect. And it's essential, and that has to be talked about at the state level. But maybe it needs to bubble up from um, the local community. Well, there's a there's a singleness of purpose too, and that's the other thing I think that you know. I mean, that's a twelve step analogy, but you know, the the purpose, you know, the the singleness of purpose that we're talking about here in this regard is survival is going to be based on. Uh, cooperation rather Absolutely. than competition. That's, that's right. changed. That's because there's not enough to go around anymore, dude. So right. it yeah. has to be done that way. And right? I had said that the other day, or I said that to you earlier. Yeah. It was interesting being at a providers meeting and all you know the different. You know, they said, "Oh, Father Jim, now that you're with Rosecrans," and I, and I said, "Yes." He says, "Of course, you would direct people there." And I go, "Yes," because I think we do great work, and I, I I believe in the mission, the values. But then they would say, "Who's your competition?" And, I, and as I said mm-hmm. earlier, I said I looked at everybody and I said, competition is the disease, is the illness, period, the right. end. As much as there's a business metric that needs to be understood, and it's about people's jobs, but it's the disease and the illness always has to, to be the mission, and then the business will follow it. Right? But if we're passionate about getting better and passionate about Life is waiting. I think that and that's a beautiful word. Rosecrans has this little bit. It's about life's waiting, and I do believe that life's waiting, whether it's here on earth or it's in heaven, 
life is constantly waiting. So I, yeah, that's a that's a that's a nice thing. Now I, I you know I think I've heard a statistic somewhere that it, like one in ten somewhere around one in ten people that need treatment actually get it. Yeah, I would say that's true. So. There's no shortage of people in need. No. So there's really no need to compete. No, there's not. At least that's the way I look I at really it. I believe that, too. I really believe that, too. There's so many people out there that need treatment that haven't been able to get it for whatever reason, because they don't know about it or they don't have access or the funds aren't available. Right. And all we have to do is, is to love and to care and, and just be present to each other and stop this this crazy bickering thing in there. Just okay. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I remember it's out there now. I've dared you right on the air, internet radio. Here we are. I believe that. And you know, it was always interesting when I go down and meet with some of the folks down in Springfield. And and as I would leave, um, I would often, and I do it, I insist on it. You know, we talk, they know why we're there, that we want more dollars for this area, for Mm -hmm. this area, for that area. Then I always leave in in a humble way. I get to do that. I think any one of us can do that. But I said, can I, can I offer you a prayer? Um, just, just, you know, I know you've got to make some hard decisions. And you're being pushed on every side. But, you know, take care of your family and take care of yourself. And, and I always offer them a prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's an essential aspect because that's really what connects the heart. Latin term is called core ad core, heart to heart. So the mm-hmm. core of an apple is, remember the core is the heart of the apple. Mm-hmm. And our work in, in the field of ministry, our work in the field of addiction and mental health is really to, to work with each other core at core, mm-hmm. heart to heart. Mm-hmm. And when we're heart to heart, then people get healthy and life really happens again. So let me ask you this, and maybe we're probably about at a point where we're going to need to close here in a minute, but can you say a little bit about how you balance all of the things that you do? Balance your personal life, your work life, and your spiritual life. How do you how do you manage all of this? Well, you heard the phone ring a few minutes ago? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, we all did, in yes. fact. <laughs> that was, that was the, the beautiful Claudia. Uh-huh. sort of uh, puts me in uh-huh. perspective, I would some way believe. I, puts you in perspective. Yeah, okay. puts me in perspective. Whether you I, have you in perspective yes, or not. Yes, I don't know. That's right. And, right. But I would say also that uh, my morning prayer is just an essential aspect of, of what I, as I, I'm an extrovert. And extroverts, extrovert, people who know me. Yeah. Um, I don't mind pressing the flesh. I enjoy being here. I enjoy telling the story, being present to people. I'm not afraid to get in people's. Pre- I'm not afraid of that. Okay? Yeah. Um, but I also know that if I didn't have that quiet time in the morning, I, I couldn't do what I do. And you get to look at the whole day in your life and your family and your loved ones and uh, really recognize this family and in your, your community. Uh, I would say the McHenry community has been wonderful of Claudia and I and and our families who have been to us, been with us in our most vulnerable moments, you know, mm-hmm. even priesthood or your struggles, death, uh, resurrection, hope and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sometimes it's hard, but we were, you know, we were gone for the weekend even this weekend. Mm-hmm. Sort of take a time out. Sometimes you have to take time and be good to yourself and mm-hmm. believe in yourself. Um Sometimes we don't do that for ourselves. We're we're our worst enemy so so often, aren't we? We mm-hmm. beat ourselves up yeah. uh, more than uh, other people can beat us up sometimes, or we accept the belittling of other people. Well, you know what? Important. You know what? It, it seems to me like what what you what you have is everything that you do is all of all of who you are. It's not a separate deal. So your ministry is your work, and your life is your ministry, and. 
Yeah, somebody you said, know. how's your new job? I said, well, it's my new ministry. <laughs> yeah. And they looked at me across and said, what do you mean it's your what new you ministry? Mean? Yeah. I said, yeah. No, it's, it's, who, it's, it's ministry to me. It's, it's, and it's who you are. Yeah, it's what I like to do. Yeah. It's, it's what I, call, I was called into doing. And that's why, that's why I, think, I think you are a lucky man. Yeah, thank you. I, maybe lucky is the wrong word. Maybe just blessed or, yeah. you know. Because yeah. I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of folks that don't have that beautiful integrated life like that you know that you have all those pieces yeah. that yeah. that come so beautifully together that you know yeah. what, what was the phrase i put in the little blurb you know like it fits like a hand in a glove know, you know like yeah, what you do now and what you've done all you yeah, know they just, just fit so and nicely I, and, it, and i've been humbled to be called into it and it's just an absolute joy yeah certainly there's suffering and there's sacrifices in, in life all of us have that but i think that you sort of fill the hole in your soul and, it, and you continue to move on. It's like I had said earlier. It's mm-hmm. glass half empty, half full. It depends upon if you're drinking or pouring. It's what you do <laughs> with the situations you're in. Sure. And it's all about possibility. I mean, I believe in the art of possibility, and that's what it's all about. It's the art of possibility. Well, that's beautiful, and I really, um, yeah. So thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks for thanks being thanks here, for on, like just just like that, just yeah. showing up. Yeah. And coming out to the uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for everybody. Yeah. Hey, and, and then let me do this. Can yeah. I do this one you more can thing? Do, you can do one more you, thing. You know, if I often, as I said earlier, may I offer you all a prayer? Yes, you Is can. That okay, I, you probably haven't had that happen before. No, but I I, I well, love that, the idea. I, I think it's okay. So just if we could just be still for a second and mm-hmm. just recognize a good and gracious God. Thank you for the gift of presence and prayer. Thank you for bringing hope and healing to people in our lives. And for people who still feel the hole in the soul, may you know that there are people of love around you who will walk with you and be with you this day and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Jim. Thanks for coming out tonight. And thanks to our listeners out there, wherever you are. And our studio audience for coming out tonight. We'll email out our reminders for next week's show. Um, and I'll make sure that that you get one, Jim, so that oh, you okay. can pass it along to uh, anybody over at Rosecrans that you think oh, would yeah. be appropriate. Put it on the, put it on yeah. the, put it on the wire. Yeah, thank um, you very much. And as always, we'll try to look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. Recoveryinternetradio.com. Thank you. <laughs> For all the archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list, remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where our listeners are from. As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you enjoyed the show. See you at 8 p.m. next Sunday night. Amen. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you.